Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment, a show where I offer my picks for each and every day's matches at the 2022 Australian Open. Yesterday was a successful one. For us on this podcast, we go 3-2, and two, up 0.91 units overall on our picks. Who did we earn victories from? Well, Yannick Sinner continues to deliver the goods for us on this show. He covers another game spread, this time six and a half games against Stevie Johnson. If you've seen the number 11 seed play, you know how well he is competing right now. And I don't just think he can make the second week of this Grand Slam. I think he is a legitimate contender to take home the title. But of course, he wasn't our only victor. Roberto Bautista Agut dominates Philip Kohlschreiber. And look, if that match would have happened in 2011, 2015, maybe we would have been more hesitant. But in 2022, knew RBA was going to deliver the goods just physically. He's on a different level than Cole Schreiber at this point of the veteran German's career. So RBA, dominant performance, covers a six and a half game spread. We also hit on a parlay, Botik Vendesen Schulp earning a two sets to one victory over Richard Gasquet. Gasquet retiring down in that third set. We also earned wins from Demonauer and Elisa Mertens, who, by the way, into her 16th consecutive third round at a Grand Slam. Remarkable consistency. We bet on that consistency. It delivered us the goods yesterday. Worth noting where we came up a bit short, Garbine Muguruza. Puzzling loss for her against Alize Cornet. Of course, that is a loss I will explore in depth on today's mini-break podcast. Our other loss... Sabalenka, FAA, Dimitrov, Parlay. Now, Sabalenka and FAA, though they were tested, delivered the goods. Dimitrov, who was our throw-in pick to just get a little bit more value on that parlay, stunned by Benoit Pair in four sets. That's another upset I'll explore in my daily recap shows on the Mini Break podcast feed. But again, three and two, a .91 units overall on day four. That leaves us at 12 and 12 for the event, but perhaps most importantly, up 1.29 units overall. And with that in mind, we turn the page towards the third round of this Australian Open. Top half of the draw competing for the men's and women's singles events here Thursday night on the East Coast of the United States, Friday in Australia. It's going to be a fantastic day of tennis. And of course, via our friends at Tennis Abstract, their fantastic draw forecasts, which offer so much data for us fans, allow us to feel a bit more educated, a bit more informed, a bit more prepared to make the picks that we do here on this Ace of the Day segment. Has only one match within the 55-45% threshold. However, only four matches above the 80-20 sphere. What does that mean? It means the numbers suggest everything is going to be close. As such, not a ton of value from the money line perspective on today's board. Unless you like underdogs, you're going to find, you know, matches minus 200 where it's not as though, you know, it's pick em sort of tennis, but in between minus 200 and minus 400 where it's not overwhelming favorites, you can make a case easily for just about every player in every match on the board to win their matchups today. As such, Things get a little tougher on this show. And of course, back half of a Grand Slam, things always get tough. Try to rack up as many wins in those early rounds. That's why we're feeling good coming out of those early rounds in the positives. Also feeling good, like we have a better grasp of both sides of the draws, better grasp of who's playing well, who's not, as we turn the page towards the next round of this Australian Open. And of course, with that in mind, what am I going to do on today's show? Run you through the matches, talk you through the money lines that have some value, talk you through the uh, the over-unders, the spreads, the parlays, the futures, all of those picks available. The odds I'm going to present, by the way, via our friends at DraftKings. It's another 
fantastic GSP Ace of the Day segment for all of you listeners today. As I referred to, if you're looking for recap content each and every day, we recap play in Australia over on our mini break podcast feed. You can find those episodes wherever you listen to your podcast or on our website, crackrackets.com. But enough filibustering. You want to hear my picks for day five. So let's get to it. Here are my selections, my GSP aces of the day. Of course, we start with the money lines. And again, a lot of close, but not so close that we can get value off the picks that we see on today's board. We'll start with the overwhelming favorites. There's only one of them on the women's side. It's Ashley Barty, who, given her level of play, probably deserves to be an overwhelming favorite at this point. And you look for Ashley Barty again. She's comfortably favored in her matchup against Camilla Georgie, minus 1,400 favored via the money line. Even if you throw that in a parlay, you're just not going to get much value from it. But other than that, Everyone else is minus 500 or less. You look at, you know, obviously the headliner, Osaka Nisimova. Osaka, minus 295. You're not going to bet that individually. And are you really going to bet against the defending Australian Open champ, someone who's won four Grand Slams on hard courts, who, in my opinion, win fit, win focused, is pretty clearly the best player in the women's game on hard courts. I know Amanda Nisimova hasn't lost in 2022. She's 7-0, coming off of a straight set win over Belinda Bencic, but this matchup against Naomi Osaka clearly going to be her toughest to date. Bencic struggling with an injury in that last match. Osaka has looked outstanding in her first two wins. Again, are you going to bet Anisimova straight up? That's the value play if you're going to go money line. Other than that, probably a stay away. You know, some players smack dab in the parlay zone. Madison Keys, minus 450. Jess Pegula, minus 450. We'll get back to them, I promise, but you're not going to bet them individually. But Dosa's looked so great, right? She wins a title in week number two, three set loss to Vika week number one, and wins Indian Wells last year. Has played the best tennis of her career over the past 15 months, not, let alone these past six, but. She got a talented next-gen talent on the women's side in Marta Kostyuk, who just upset Sarah Saribas Tormo, who knows Bedosa's game well, who will be patient and willing to work the rallies with Bedosa, but can match her firepower. And again, I know I say this every time I talk about Kostyuk, sneaky good mover. It's a stay away for me. And again, unless you're going to bet Kostyuk as the underdog, but Bedosa's playing so well, so I'm not going to do that. No thank you on that. No thank you on Krejcikova versus Ostapenko. You just never know what you're going to get for Ostapenko. Krejcikova minus 425. Not great value there. I just think there's going to be an upset on the day. And the one I keep circling is Kudermatova Sakari. Kudermatova plus 190. Maria Sakari minus 235. Sakari's been fine in her straight set victories. I don't think particularly great. She's been fine, and she's been okay here to start the season. Kudermatova, I thought, looked pretty good in her first two victories, and you look for Kudermatova, what she's been able to do at this Australian Open. Victories for her over Rusa and Claire Liu in straight sets. I actually think that's a more impressive uh, slate of matches than we've seen uh, from Maria Sakari, who, again, has earned two straight set victories, but you look at those two straight victories, win over Chin, uh, Chin when Zhang won in four, went over Tatiana Maria, four and six. She was better in that second round match than she was in the first, but I think Kudermatova's level has been pretty consistent, and I think she's been pretty good. You look for her in Melbourne, one makes the final there before getting knocked out two and three by Simona Halep. That would be the upset I circle on the women's side most clearly, that Kudermatova plus 190 or the Kostyuk plus 120. But again, I don't feel particularly strong 
about uh, the Kudermatova upset pick because I do think that Maria Sakri will raise her level to uh, the level of her opponent. And, you know, again, have we seen Kudermatova have a signature win like that in a Grand Slam, knock out a top 10 seed on her way to the second week? I don't think we've really seen her be able to uh, accumulate that sort of win yet in her career. So I'll need to see it to believe it. It's stay away for me from that perspective. Again, none of those individual money lines particularly appealing enough to hit on them. So with that said, you know, staying away from the money lines today on the women's side. I'll go through the men's side a, a bit quicker. You do have some lopsided favorites. You know, Zverev, who I think is your lock of the day, minus 6,000 over Redu Elbot. You're not going to get a spread closer than minus 8.5 games for Zverev in that matchup either. So I think that's a bit of a stay away. Rafa's minus 575 against Hatchinov. I just, I'm telling you, and I went on three, a tennis show, my friend Gil Gross's show. They focus on the big three. We talked about Rafa. He's got a lot of, as Gil quoted, uh, described them, backhand guys coming up. 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, guys who hit the backhand fluidly and, you know, can do some damage to Rafa if he's leaving his forehand short. Hatchinov is one of those guys. Obviously, Zverev's coming up one of those guys. Medvedev in a potential final would be one of those guys. I'm interested to see how Rafa handles Hatchinov today because certainly in his Yannick Hanifman match in the second round, you know, Hanifman had some success taking that ball early on the rise moving forward. And so that's a stay away for me. I want no part of that Nadal-Hatchinov match. Now, if Nadal wins in straight sets, um, it's time to con- include Rafa in Tier 1 of contenders right there with Zverev, with uh, Medvedev as well. But I want to see him do that in this match, his toughest test of the season. That's a stay away for me. Guy Monfils, by the way, your other lopsided favorite, and I do think he's going to win comfortably, minus 1,600 over Christian Green. But everything else, like Sinego minus 180. I like Kasmanovic at plus 145, but if you're a longtime listener of this segment, you know the moment you feel confident in former World Junior number one, Miramir Kasmanovic, who can do a lot of things on the court but doesn't have an overwhelming weapon, overwhelming plan A, the moment you feel good about him, and he's one of 11 players who has yet to drop a set in this tournament, that's when he bites you. That's when there's the stinker. And I know he won six, five, and six straight sets over Tommy Paul last round. That was a really physical match. And yes, Sinego's coming off of a four-setter, but the forehand, the serve for Sinego, just a little bit more easy pop, a little bit easier for him to win free points. I like Kesmanovic at plus 145, but again, stay away from me. Shapovalov, Opelka, minus 110. That's a pick em. That's a stay away for me. Korda, Carreno, Busta, same deal. Stay away for me. I think these matches are all going to go the distance. The one that's intriguing is Carlos Alcaraz at minus 170 against Matteo Berrettini. And with that in mind, just quickly, by the way, for the tennis abstract projections, your 155-45 match. Carreno, Busta, 53% favorite over Sebastian Korda. Shapovalov, a 57.4% favorite over Riley Opelka, but that's the only things within 60-30. You look on the women's side, you're only 60-40 uh, or closer. Azarenka Svitolina, 59.8-40.2. Azarenka favored. Krejcikova, 572 against Ostapenko, 42.8. But with that in mind, again, tough to find money line value plays, so we turn to the spreads. We turn to the over-unders, and boy, do I have a treat in the over-under category for all of you listeners today. But let's start with the spreads this time. And we've had some success of late. Yannick Sinner's helped us out twice, covering six-and-a-half game spreads. And Roberto Bautista Gut yesterday, Krejcikova on the first day, 
if you see a, a, a um, not an underdog, excuse me, a favorite, there's the term I was looking for. If you see a favorite that you feel comfortable in, we've talked about this before, you're going to find more value in a game spread than you are in a money line. And of course, in a three out of five set format for the men, you can get some more lopsided game spreads. You can get five and a half, six and a half to where your opponent, you know, the, your favorite only has to win by a break or, you know, serve first and he wins by a break and it's a six, three set. And that's all he has to do to cover those sorts of game spreads, comfortable victories, one lopsided set, and you're sitting pretty. I don't know if we see game spreads like that with that sort of appeal today because, again, of the closeness of all of these matchups, whether it's, you know, the Hachinov-Nadal five-and-a-half, six-and-a-half games. I don't really want to touch that. And, you know, Zverev eight-and-a-half games, Monfils eight-and-a-half games. That's a lot of games to cover for both of those guys, even if I do think they're going to win comfortably. They could still win, but if it's four, three, and four, you know, just all of a sudden you don't cover the eight-and-a-half games. And so that would be the worst way to lose. That's why those are stay away. For me today on the women's side, you know, you can get decent spreads. Pegula minus four and a half over Parises Diaz minus 155 is interesting. You know, Keys minus five and a half games over Chung Wang, uh, or yeah, Chung Wang plus 100. Interesting. Osaka minus three and a half games over Nisimova minus 130 is also interesting, but. I'd rather just bet, you know, again, unless you are very comfortable, you think a player is going to win on that day, then I would go spread over money line. And that's exactly what we're going to do with Carlos Alcaraz, who's minus two and a half games over Matteo Berrettini. And again, longtime Crack Rackets listeners will know we've been saying this since last September. I don't, you know, that Carlos Alcaraz, as everyone has projected for success for Carlos Alcaraz, that is not a novel take. But as recently, you know, September, uh, that U.S. Open right after that, I think he proved there. He's ready to be a top 10 player right now, not just a future success. He's ready to be a success in this moment. And you look for Carlos Alcaraz again. He's one of those 11 players who has yet to drop a set in this tournament and struggled in that third set of his second round match, ultimately took it 7-5. But, you know, you kind of liked to see that because, you know, Carlos Alcaraz had COVID. As such, he wasn't able to get any warm-up matches in coming into this event. And he has certainly looked more than fresh at the start of this 2022 Australian Open, and he's just looked again. I mean, he was sleeveless in his first-round match, and he unveils these biceps that were clearly new to him, and it's like, oh, okay, you spend some time in the gym, and you want to show it off. And by the way, if you spend some time in the gym, and that's the fruit you be, uh, that you bear of your work, you can absolutely play sleeveless, sleeveless out there on the court. I mean, every statistic you want to turn to points to Carlos Alcaraz as one of the rising stars in the game. And I did this segment in December, but of all of the current players on tour, only Nadal and Djokovic were definitively more successful than Alcaraz to this point in their careers at his age. And you look for Carlos Alcaraz, who wins that next-gen final, right? And how many times have we seen Hyun Chung? wins the next-gen final, goes on to the semifinal. Stefano Tsitsipas wins the next-gen final, goes on to the Australian Open semifinal. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but we've seen the success, the confidence uh, built at that event translate immediately to this Australian Open. And look, Tabilo and Lajovic are not the toughest opponents for Carlos Alcaraz to kick off this event, but you look for Alcaraz overall 47-19 in his last 52 weeks. He's winning 71% of his matches. Now, of course, you look for him on hard courts, 30, uh, I believe he's 32 and 10 over the last 52 weeks. You want to go to, you know, how is he doing against top 50 opponents? He's 9 and 4 against top 50 opponents over those last 52 weeks as well on hard courts. And you look at who some of the victories are over. Tsitsipas, obviously, at the U.S. Open. Cam Nori 
at the U.S. Open, Yannick Sinner in Paris, Korda at the Next Gen Finals, of course, Dan Evans in Vienna, and then most pressingly, his opponent here uh, on Thursday night, Friday at the Australian Open, Matteo Berrettini, who he beat 7-6 in the third on an indoor hard court in Vienna. Now, obviously, you look for Matteo Berrettini. He is the favorite. Uh, you know, he is the more accomplished, excuse me, tenured player entering this match. And Berrettini's last three losses at Grand Slams were each to Novak Djokovic in quarterfinals or final of Wimbledon, respectful, uh, uh, respectively. Berrettini has been about as sure of a thing as you're going to find on the ATP Tour at these Grand Slams in terms of protecting his seed, getting to second week's quarterfinals, regardless of the surface. But Berrettini struggled. In his first two matches, four sets against Brandon Nakashima, I thought Brandon was returning particularly well, did a great job of finding the Berrettini backhand, and then four sets against Stefan Kozlov in the second round as well, and it was just, it was fascinating to see Kozlov begin to frustrate Berrettini, whether it was, you know, playing 13 feet behind the baseline and just kind of tracking down everything he threw at him and absorbing that pace, redirecting it, and just kind of doing nothing with the ball, or, you know, conversely, Kozlov would rush the net and just put a ton of pressure on Berrettini and kind of navigate those two zones extraordinarily well. And you talk about navigating those two zones, six feet behind the baseline, as well as moving forward. You know who does it even better than Kozlov? Probably Carlos freaking Alcaraz, who's just athleticism at that age, the explosiveness. It's it's not unprecedented, but it's very rare to see in men's tennis. And you know, again, I think you look for Carlos Alcaraz, you can get minus two and a half games at minus 120 for this match. Essentially, all Carlos Alcaraz has to do at that point is win. And I know a 7-6-7-6-6-7-7-6 win, okay, he doesn't cover in that scenario. But do you really see a scenario where there's a non-tie break set that Carlos Alcaraz loses? Like in that scenario, what, Berrettini gets an early break? You know, again, I just... I think who's the more likely to break? Obviously, you look at the percentages. Carlos Alcaraz last season, 30.8 break percentage. That was good for third on the ATP Tour amongst top 50 players. And yeah, there was a lot of challenger success baked into that. But go look at his stats. You divide by level. Carlos Alcaraz actually had a higher break percentage in ATP level matches than he did in challenger level matches last season, which is just freaking crazy. Now, Berrettini is amongst the elite of the elite. He was third in hold percentage last season, 89% for him. That was a career high and, you know, 20.2%, which is good for 33rd uh, amongst top 50 players in break percentage. Doesn't sound great, but that was also a career high for Matteo Berrettini. But this is also an eye test pick because if you've watched Berrettini play, he struggled just not hitting the plus one forehand as confidently as he usually does and, you know, swinging through the backhand. But a little tentative moving around that wing. Just he hasn't looked his most fluid thus far. And obviously Nakashima Kozlov both playing well, but Alcaraz is by far his toughest test today because Alcaraz has weapons. Those two don't. And Alcaraz, even though the, yes, Berrettini on the second serve in particular for Alcaraz will have opportunities to run around that ball, hit forehands, dictate and take his chances. But the pressure bear, uh, Alcaraz puts on you in the rally, the heaviness of the Alcaraz forehand into that backhand corner for Berrettini. Alcaraz's willingness to move forward when Berrettini plays the slice stretch on that backhand side and just you know hit that volley out of the air, take time away from Berrettini. I just think from a matchup perspective, it's a good one. Carlos Alcaraz against this version of Matteo Berrettini, and Alcaraz has yet to drop a set. 
this is just, again, putting my money where my mouth is. We've been high on the young guys entering this event. This is the, in my opinion, most valuable play on the board here on day five. You can get Alcaraz at two and a half games at minus 120. We're going to take it. I don't think you're going to see that much moving forward in the next decade and a half on the ATP Tour. So Alcaraz, minus two and a half games over Berrettini, minus 120. We're going to respect Berrettini and throw just half a unit on that pick, but we are going to throw half a unit on that pick for Alcaraz to win. It would yield us 0.41 in return again. That's the spread I like best. There are a couple of others to enjoy. You can find them on our website, CrackedRackets.com, where all of the things I'm looking at throughout the day uh, are listed, of course. Plenty of over-unders that are appealing as well. I talk about how close some of these matches might be. You just feel like Kismenovic Sinego is destined for five sets, right? Over three and a half, minus 195. Hatchinov Nadal, I'm intrigued by it. Minus 135 is interesting. But then, like, even if Alcaraz does win the minus 205, uh, does win the three and a half sets, and Shapovalov, Opelka, and PCB Corda, you know, like, even if those matches all do go over three and a half sets, it's not the best value plays there. Like, I just think, you know, again, Alcaraz minus 205, like, minus 205 on its own, minus 235 on its own, minus 210 on its own, it's not great. And yet, you know what's really cool about our friends at DraftKings? They let you parlay over-unders in terms of setages. And that, my friends, is where things are going to get funky today. We're only going to put quarter of a unit on this. But again, you look at the tennis abstract odds. You look at the money lines offered by DraftKings. Uh, you look at, again, we'll start with Alcaraz Berrettini. 65% Alcaraz is the favorite. Opelka Shapovalov, 57%. Shapovalov is the favorite. Karina Busta Corda, 53%. Karina Busta is the favorite. Don't you think all of those matches have the potential to go over three and a half sets? I think they do. And guess what? With our friends at DraftKings, you can parlay those three things happening. I think Alcaraz is going to win. I think there's going to be perhaps even a lopsided fourth set, but I do think Berrettini sneaks one out in a tiebreaker. Give me the triple over parlay. Over three and a half sets in Opelka Shapovalov. Over three and a half sets in Corda PCB. And over three and a half sets in Alcaraz Berrettini as well. You parlay all of those together plus 213 odds. Now we're talking, we're going to put a quarter of a unit on that to win 0.53. But again, Opelka Shapovalov, Korda PCB, Alcaraz Berrettini. I like the over three and a half sets in all of them. Let's see how all of that play unfolds. Now, of course, on the women's side, just quickly, you make a case for any of them. Osaka Nisimova plus 150 over two and a half sets. Sure. Kudermatova Sakari plus 140. Sure. Ostapenko Krejcikova feels destined for over two and a half sets. And at one, plus 185, that's your best value play on the board. Unless you think Georgie's going to slap her way to a set. Plus 275. That's interesting. Kostyuk Bedosa plus 170. Azarenka Svitolina plus 145. We're going to stick with just the one, you know, over uh, three-person over parlay and stick with that. So that's where we're at uh, on the over-unders and the spreads. Now, of course, it would not be an Ace of the Day segment if we did not have a parlay for all of you listeners. And we've got two other parlays beyond our over-under parlay for all of you listeners today. Let's start with what I'm calling the sure things parlay. Madison Keys, Jess Pagula, Aslan Karatsev. Now you look for the three of them on the day. They're three of your most comfortable favorites, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. Aslan Karatsev, a 79.6% favorite against Adrian Manorino. You look uh, for Jessica Pagula. She also comfortable favorite, 81.1% against Parises Diaz. Uh, Madison Keys, 72.3% against Chung Wong. 
Pagula has not played her best, and Parisa's Diaz got a withdraw, I believe, in her last match, and so she's had a couple of days to rest up, but Pagula's gotten better and better, scrapped her way by in a three-set win over, uh, excuse me, Angelina Kalnina in round number one, and then you look for her round number two, straight-set victory after going down an early deficit to Bernarda Pera. I think Pagula has slowly gotten better and better, and perhaps most pressingly, she's slowly building confidence. She's still got points to defend here from last year, needs one more victory. I think she gets it over Parisa's Diaz, who I just don't think has the weapons to, as particularly with the serve, to hurt just Pagula. I think that matches on Pagula's terms. You look for Madison Keys. I mean, she's just rolling. Again, she was our dark horse pick. Sure thing to make the second week coming into this event. Let's stick with that now. Put our money where our mouth is. Minus 450. You throw her with Pegula. Good, not great odds. That's where Aslan Karatsev comes into play. And yeah, he's played a lot of tennis over the past 9, 10 days. And, you know, five sets in his first match against Munar. Four sets against Mackie McDonald. But did you watch the four-set match against Mackie McDonald? Physically, he looked fine at the end of that match and just again his ability to play front foot aggressive tennis and you know dictate and play on his terms disrupt the rhythm of his opponents I just think you know Manorino was played fantastic against Hubi Hercots but I think that's as good as it gets for Manorino I don't think he replicates that match a second time in a row I think Karatsev disrupts his rhythm gets that ball into his forehand with pace and you know just the heaviness of his ball doesn't allow Manorino to bend you know bunt down on it I think it you know forces the errors I'm gonna parlay all three of them together Keys, Pagula, Karatsev, minus 119. Let's throw half a unit on that to win 0.42. Again, of all of the close matches we have on the day, those are the three I view most likely to advance. Let's parlay them together. Minus 119, half a unit to win 0.42. The other parlay, and this is, again, a money where your mouth is sort of pick. That's the sort of day it is. Put that money where your mouth is. I think Azarenka beats Fidelina. Like, I just think Azarenka is striking the ball so well, and I think her loss to Sviantek in week one had everything to do with Sviantek and nothing to do with Vika, who played extraordinary in that match. And unless you've got the weapons to really hurt Vika, get her stretched in the outer third, and make her uncomfortable, I think she's in that New York 2020 zone where she just is going to beat you, and she's so confident, so decisive out there. And Svitolina has struggled with her level, even in getting to this third round. Give me Vika to advance uh, over Svitolina, minus 340 to do so. Again, who are we parlaying her with? Naomi Osaka, who I still think is going to win this event. As good as Ashley Barty has looked, I think Osaka is uniquely built to beat Ashley Barty from a game style perspective. Not like that was the inherent, let's build a game for you, Naomi, to beat Ashley Barty. I just think she has all the requisite skills needed to do so. And she's played extraordinarily well. She's moved well. She's served better and better. She's hitting the backhand confidently. She looks relaxed out on court as well, which brings out her best tennis. Anisimova has the weapons to disrupt Osaka's rhythm. But again, two Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club players. I just think Osaka's better at it than Anisimova is. And I think she's played well enough for me to feel confident in this pick. You parlay Azarenka and Osaka together, minus 128. Now again, two very tough opponents. We're just going to throw a quarter unit on this to get the job done, but let's throw a quarter unit on this to get the job done. Azarenka, Osaka, Moneyline Parlay, minus 128, quarter of a unit to win 0.19. One other thing I would point out quickly before we wrap today's show, futures bets right now. Very, very interesting. I'd still roll Barty Osaka plus 210, plus 650 respectively to win the title. 
The other two players I'd look at are the two players I think are most likely to come uh, out of the bottom half of the draw. One of them, Iga Sviantek, who's yet to drop a set, has cruised, looks so good throughout the course early of this season. Plus 700 to win the title. I mean, no more Conteve in that bottom half. No more Muguruza in that bottom half. Sabalenka has been a whirlwind. Sviantek plus 700 to win the title or plus 300 to just reach the final. Those are two futures I love. I also don't hate a Sabalenka bet. Yeah, it's been erratic, but she's still finding ways to win. And eventually you'd think, right? What if it's not erratic and she's finding ways to win? You're in trouble if you're her opponent. So 20 to 1 to win the title, 10 to 1 to reach the final. I think Sviantek, Sabalenka, the two players most likely to emerge out of that bottom half. You know, Barty and Osaka, one of them's going to win quarter number one. Danielle Collins to win quarter three now that there's no Muguruza, no more uh, Annette Conteve. Yeah, Clara Tawson's playing really well, but Danielle Collins has made a semifinal at the Australian Open before. We've seen that happen, so at her plus 400 is interesting. And then, of course, Iga Sabalenka, you could bet them both to win that bottom quarter, and I do think it's going to be one of them. Plus 150 for Iga, plus 400 for Sabalenka. Don't hate both any of those uh, if you guys want to throw them on there. Of course, on the men's side, Medvedev, Zverev, Nadal, Sinner, Alcaraz. I think it's going to be one of those five guys. Medvedev plus 125, Zverev plus 250, Nadal plus 400, Sinner 14 to 1, Alcaraz 20 to 1. A Zverev, Medvedev final plus 240. I don't know how we don't throw money on that. Zverev plus 110 to make the final, Rafa plus 250, Sinner, Alcaraz 7 to 1, 9 to 1 respectively. Monfils to win quarter number 1 plus 250 is interesting. And then Sinner, plus 140 to win quarter number three. Interesting as well. Those are the futures bets I have my eye on. But ultimately, our day five picks for our GSP aces of the day. Let's go Alcaraz, minus two and a half games over Berrettini, minus 120, half a unit to win 0.41. Let's go over three and a half sets in Opelka Shapovalov, over three and a half sets in Corda PCB, over three and a half sets in Alcaraz Berrettini. Get them parlay all of those together. Plus 213 odds, quarter of a unit to win 0.53. We've then got Keys, Pegula, Karatsev, minus 119, half a unit to win 0.42. Azarenka, Osaka, money line parlay, minus 128, quarter of a unit to win 0.19. Those are our picks for our GSP aces of the day. Of course, as always, recap podcasts available on the mini break podcast feed. All that content available on the website, crackrackets.com. Like, rate, and subscribe, review to this show, Cracked Interviews Podcast, mini break podcast and our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on any of our content. Of course, for the immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. A shout out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out again. With all of that said, these are your picks for day five of the 2022 Australian Open. We hope you all enjoy the tennis. And as always, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck, everyone. Thank you.